Welcome to the Common Ground Initiative. I'm Anthony Payton, and I hope to highlight the diversity of our communities with stories of people the average Granite Stater might not get to see or meet. The goal is to clarify misconceptions and find the thread that binds us all together as one New Hampshire community. Hi, this is Anthony Payton with the Common Ground Initiative, also in association with the Grand Estate News Collaborative and the Marlin Fitzwater Center for Communication. I'm here with Ms. Grace Kendeke. Grace, how are you doing? I am so good. Thank you for having me on with you. Oh, thank you for coming on. It's so crazy because we've been on a lot of Zooms together, but like in this COVID world, this is our first, like, we still haven't met in person yet, but I'm pretty sure that'll happen and it'll definitely be a good moment. Oh, shoot. I think you're right. Well, we're going to have to like meet up at like a community festival or something because it's right. festival season. So, you definitely. know, get out. That'll definitely happen. So I'm writing about the African immigrant community and how we interact with each other with the um, quote unquote Black American community. And I just wanted to get your perspective. So I'm going to shoot a few questions at you. One, talk to me about cultural identity and what it means to you as both a first generation African, as well as now a Black American. How do they intersect? So, I mean, just to give people like context, like, so I came here to this country. I immigrated to the United States when I was two years old and I'm 35 years old now. And I've lived in the United States ever since. My Most of my family is back home in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I'm from a generation of like my, my mother's generation and a generation of people who like who grew up, who like experienced independence from a colonial power. Like, you know, Congo had its independence in the 60s and my mom was like in elementary school. And so like growing up here, you know, in Africa, you're not black. You're whoever you are. You are where your, your tribe, your family, your ethnic group. That's who you identify as. But when you come to America, when you come to the United States, you're Black. You carry with you a, a, a history of colonialism and the impact that that has had on my country and people and the African continent. And then you combine that with the history of racism and what it means to be racialized in a country that is built on slavery. So like, how did those two identities like intersect? I mean, it's <laughs> I wish there was like an easy answer. You know, it's, right. it's really about, I think where I find my intersection is in seeing myself as a black woman and being able to carry the legacy of both of those heritages, though, that history and seeing how they interconnect with one another, like slavery and colonialism are inextricably interlocked. But that's not that's not the totality of our, you know, of our culture and our experience. Like I am an African who grew up in America, who, you know, is American by culture, you know, like mm -hmm. I have all of that acculturization that, you know, that, you know, pop culture and this and that. But there's also like, I think in sort of marrying the two, like I have this like traditional culture that I come from that is the root of like the food that I eat and the language that I still speak. I still speak my native language of Lingala, you know, mm. and I dream in two languages, you know, so I'm, I am a child of these two cultures and it's all of these, in order to bring them together, it has really been a, it's been a healing journey. I mean, more than anything, because it hasn't always felt integrated. It hasn't been integrated um, for most of my life because on top of being African and 
Black. I'm also, you know, all of those things in a predominantly white state, growing up in a predominantly white, in predominantly white schools, not really seeing myself outside of my home, you know? So like there's one culture when I go to school and there's a different culture when I go home. So Mm. putting all those pieces together is really like the story of my life as a person, as a woman, as a black person, as an African person, as an American, as Congolese girl, you know, all of these things having to sort of like to hold and honor. And that's been, yeah, that's been the work of, that's been my life's work. Wow. I love that perspective. That's something that the people really don't get to hear much of because sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just this mistrust of each other. And it's a blessing to have a voice like yours and Deo's as well, because he gave me some great insight and opened my eyes to a whole, you know, different avenue. But you you also do a lot of great work in a community with AFSC and so many other people-based initiatives. And to touch on the commonalities that you see that are shared in the inner cities by both the Black Americans and the African immigrants where do you see some of those commonalities at? Like, what do we struggle with together? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm really proud to be able to do the work that I do in the community, both as like, as an advocate with American Friends Service Committee, but also like as a community organizer with MCAC, which is the Manchester Community Action Coalition. And because like the the real issues that our community is facing is like, I mean, it's it's common across the board. I mean, we see it in a lack of stable housing, issues with getting the proper educational supports, being able to access job security, fair wages. I mean, it's all the things that we materially need as people to to live and thrive in society. Hmm. We, you know, we all need actually, you know, we all need food and we all need good jobs. We all need a stable place to live and good schools for our kids and an environment that doesn't poison us. And and in New Hampshire, you need a car because <laughs> we don't right. have a great, you know, a great transportation system, public transportation system. So where the commonality is is that like we you know, again, like as a black, as an African coming to America, you come to America, you're black, you know, and so mm-hmm. you have to deal with the same disparities in the the same racial disparities, you know, in same racial discrimination at your at your work. I mean, there are stories that I, you know, and experiences that like my my own family members, you know, my my mom, my aunties, experience as healthcare workers in our healthcare system, experiencing an unbelievable discrimination and retaliation and horrific working conditions and, and doing so alongside, you know, their African-American brothers and sisters who are also in those fields, you know? So it's, the experiences are, there's so much commonality and it comes down to how resources, state and local and municipal resources are invested in our communities. How are those resources invested to uplift people in our communities who are low income, who are needing public assistance, who are are depending on the public systems that we have? I mean, we all depend on these public systems in one way or another. So it's really about how those investments are put in, in a systematic way, in a systemic level. So it's a lot of things that I see is like, at the end of the day, we all want the best for our family, for ourselves. But when you're Black in America, the ways that our communities get invested into is very, it's very different. And we experience real disparities. And that, 
gets realized, you know, whether whatever everyone's unique individual experiences are like across the board. I mean, people needed the same things Mm. to survive and thrive. Mm. Right. There are like such cultural differences. And sometimes, like I mentioned earlier, a distrust between, you know, the African immigrants and the black Americans and your voice is unique in that you can give a dual perspective. Like I can bring you down to a barbecue in Brooklyn and, you know, with baked mac and cheese and, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> barbecue and all of that. And you would thrive in that environment. And at the same time, you can introduce us to an African dish that we know nothing about. So what should both sides know about the other? Like what can bring us closer? I mean, honestly, I feel like it's understanding how how linked our our histories are, you know, like what Mm. I was saying earlier. And again, it's not all about oppression. Right. But it Mm. is like understanding in the ways that we we experience racism in this country, like all and racism in general and discrimination, like all of that is linked to this like this connected history where, you know, our people were extracted, resources from our our home countries and our homelands have been extracted and continuously extracted. And our own communities are not being invested into by the structures that should be investing in them. So there is that commonality. And I think there is also I think even more, even just that is the beauty and the, just the very fact that there's, we are all, we're not a homogenous group, right? Mm. And there's so many differences in how we express ourselves artistically, musically, culturally. And yet at the heart of it is, is, you know, we'll call different things in different places, but like here we call it, you know, is a soul, you know, that sense of soul, that sense of spirit, that sense of connection to your roots, to that it's not just about the you, it's about the we. We're at the end of the day, we're all human beings, right? And mm-hmm. that we, the fact that we have this common history, you know, this, the, not only as a as a species, because we're all one people, but we have this <laughs> common history, yeah. you know, and that there is, that sense of we and us and that we we fight for for freedom we fight for life for us and the generations that come after us but and because we're on we have built off of the generations that came before us that sense of collectiveness that sense of intertwinedness that even though yeah we may be different but if i see you on the street mm-hmm. or if i you know i i see you as a part of me and me as a part of you even if we don't know each other even if we don't necessarily get along we are still a family you know we are mm. still a community so i think i think that sense of the interconnectedness of one another is is a way to you know is something that we 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 need to remember and that interconnectedness doesn't mean that we don't honor our differences and the the differences in our history and the differences in you know in our in our expressions and our you know our values but there it, it's still part of that tapestry of we right and I started out, I think my column started with touching on that, how like sometimes I'm in a supermarket and if there's an African immigrant or Haitian immigrant or anything, it's just this universal head nod. <laughs> you know, we look and we acknowledge each other, you know, so many comedians have spoken on it, you know, before I can't think of any right now, but it's just, and that is so real, like you said, that connectedness. So what are some of the things that you are currently involved in and what, you know, what do you have up that's upcoming that we should know about? Because your social media feed is lit up 
with like some of the most like juiciest things that I said, I, I say to myself, I have to go to one of these things if I have the time. <laughs> so like, like let the people know what exactly that you have coming up that we can get involved in. So, I mean, one thing that I've got, I'm part of the planning for, and I think is so important as we, you know, for, you know, Africans and African-Americans, all of us who are black to honor is Juneteenth Mm -hmm. and that celebration of emancipation Mm -hmm. and what that means for, you know, what it means for American history, what it means for African-American history, what it means for our collective history as a black people. There is a celebration going on downtown in Manchester that I am very excited to be part of the planning for and really focusing and honoring and bringing attention, especially here in New Hampshire, where so much of Black history is so often erased or denied or, you know, declined and bringing attention to that. I invite people to join us on June 19th on Sunday. It's going to be downtown in Manchester. There will be a lot of things going on. It's connected. You know, we're not the only Juneteenth celebration happening. The Black Heritage Trail is having an incredible week-long celebration. You know, we're not directly connected to that. I just want to call attention to it. But just, you know, bringing people out, you know, that's it's festival season <laughs> now. Things are getting warmer. <laughs> so that's something that I really invite people to, to come out, right. be a part of what's going on around our city, get connected to people. That's really the most important thing, like especially in a state, in a city so small that we all know each other. You know, we may not know we know each other, but we all know each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, right. no, that's true. and it makes such a huge difference to come out and be amongst our community, amongst the community, getting to meet people, hearing people's stories, getting connected to to one another, because, you know, these kinds of events are just catalysts for that. The purpose is to bring us together so that we know what's going on. And so we can, and, and by knowing we can inform. So there's that. I'm also part of the, you know, Manchester, and I'm doing the Juneteenth work as part of Manchester Community Action Coalition. And we are, you know, we're a group that meets, we have a town hall every month. We do work in the community, including a tutoring program, which is finishing up right now, going into the new year. We are, but we do other community initiatives and it's really mm-hmm. about creating, we are black led, black run, <laughs> we're BIPOC run. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we create, like, there are so many things that our communities need and there's so many, but our community has what we need to care for ourselves. And it's really a matter of how do we connect to the resources? How do we create the space so that people can use their gifts, their skills, their intelligence to build the solutions that we need and then make the system work with us, you know, and work for us mm-hmm. rather than imposing upon us what doesn't work for our community. So I invite people to come to our monthly town halls to get connected to the vaccine campaign work that we're doing, to the tutoring program, which is an intergenerational program, volunteer run that links public school kids with students, retirees, adult professionals, people Mm -hmm. in the community who are interested in spending time and investing and connecting to our kids and supporting their academic growth. And by extension is supporting the families that each child is connected to because, you know, when we, because that's what we do, we enable our children to rise and to uplift and to be more than what we could be. Mm. And we do that for each successive generation. We lift the, we lift one another up 
And then when you are lifted up, you lift the next person up. And that's what we do. And that's how we continue forward. So mm. I hope people can come in and join us, you know, join in the fun, but then also like join us in the, the deep work that needs to happen so we can change and support and live and thrive. Wow. All right. I'm ready to let you go because you, you just, I know you have a lot to do. <laughs> like, I know how your plate is full, but I have to hit <laughs> you with this question and it's, yeah. it's unexpected, but I have to know. African dish from your homeland. What is it and why should we give it a try? Oh my God. I just made some, <laughs> so I know exactly what I'm going to say. I don't even have to think about it. So it's called pondu. And pondu is cassava leaf stew. Mm-hmm. And so what they do, so cassava uh, leaves, they're, what we do is we dry them, mm-hmm. we pound them, we dry them, and then you boil it and you boil it in water. You can put, you can make, pundu can taste different depending on who cooks it. Mm-hmm. But my go-to is water, palm oil, salt, some crushed up green pepper, some onion, some garlic, and you mix that all up and you let it boil and simmer. And it becomes this just like thick, rich green stew. Mm. And you want to eat it. The perfect combination is to eat it with some kind of like meat. You know, mm. you can have beef, you can have goat, just something meaty, thick. Mm. And then you have it with some rice or some fufu. And it's the best thing when I, it is my go-to comfort dish. And if you ever want some, you come over. I got Definitely. you. I'll make you some food. All right. I got you. <laughs> All right. Grace Kendeke, thank you very much for being on a Common Ground Initiative. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This program was produced in collaboration with me, Anthony Payton, the Granite State News Collaborative, and the Marlin Fitzwater Center for Communication. You can read more of my work at collaborativenh.org and listen to more of these stories wherever you can get your favorite podcasts.